0: Hello and welcome to Business Lines Podcast. I'm your host Triya, tech reporter for the newspaper. In today's episode, we will be discussing how deep tech startup ecosystem is evolving and growing in India. To give us more insights on the deep, deep tech landscape, I'm joined by three eloquent guests from Industry Body, NASCOM. Sangeeta Gupta, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer, NASCOM. Arjun Rao, General Partner, Special Inset Advisors. And Gitanjali Radhakrishnan, Founder and Managing Director of Adivo Diagnostics, on the sidelines of NASCOM's Future Forge. So thank you so much guys so for joining us today. Thank
1: you so much, Hyundai.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, same here, and Priya. Uh, guys, maybe we can probably begin with an overview of the deep deep tech startup ecosystem in India. Deep Tech was more so a difficult niche with a handful of companies in the space until about years ago. Uh, but we do now see the growing interest here. So tell us how do you guys the space how do you guys see the space evolving? and then just going and where do we stand today?
1: Thank you. Maybe I can get started and hand this to Gitanjali while Arjun joins. So uh, so I think, like you rightly said, the deep tech startup ecosystem in India is still in its very early stages. So India has about twenty-seven 000 to 28,000 technology startups, and we have, I think, about 3,200 deep technology startups out of these. And even within that, if we peel the next level of onion, we call them so-called inventive deep tech startups. That's only 20% of these 3,200, right? So it's a, it's a relative a relatively smaller fraction of the overall technology startup ecosystem in India. But the good news is it's growing. I think, uh, like you said, you know, Future Forge was all about deep technologies. We saw a lot of very interesting uh, deep technology startups in areas like agri tech, space tech, medical devices, health tech. Um, manufacturing so clearly i think there is a momentum that is building up and as as nascom our focus is really to say just like we supported the tech startup ecosystem 10 years back we want to provide that same momentum to grow the whole deep tech startup ecosystem in it yeah
2: so if i may add in more um i think government has come up with a lot of innovative initiatives like the make in india digital india all the startup india programs and that has really given more hope to startups you know to really venture into innovative ideas uh, that there are grant fundings out there to test out some ideas. And if it is really working out, they can also venture into startups. And that's the only way you can bring these uh, innovations faster to market um, because there's no views in having basic license research if it's not going to reach the end people. So that's where deep tech adds a lot of value because you're not innovating for the next two, three years. You're innovating for the next 20 years. And and it's just not under one application. Um, And the second thing we also see there's an increase in, um, you know, foreign investments and even strategic partnership across the globe um, among deep tech companies coming out of India with the amount of research they are able to bring in. And at the same time, if you're able to solve problem for India with the wider, you know, the variation in eth- ethnicity, the skin color. So, of course, if you can cater to this wide population, you can, of course, the solution will work everywhere. Uh, so that's just a small take on your question.
0: Uh, that's more so where I was uh, going with this. Uh, could you give us more insights on this? What are the uh, deep tech startups in India solving for? Which are the sectors and verticals we see them emerging in? And which are the markets they are targeting
1: for growth? I, I think it's a broad range of sectors, Hari that we are seeing. Uh, but clearly, I think the sectors that stand out is health tech. We're seeing a lot of innovation happening in that space. There is the whole focus on agri-tech, while it is still smaller, you've seen some companies scale and get to the next level. I think the support the government has provided with the space tech policy and the ecosystem, that's another growth area uh, that we are now seeing. And of course, the larger IoT, uh, cloud, AI ecosystem, uh, that, that's another growth area that that is uh, coming about. And I think the kind of problems they're solving is everything, right, from helping a manufacturing enterprise uh, with their efficiency and productivity using cloud sensors, digital twins to, you know, uh, I think Gitanjali and Arjun will talk a little bit about the startups that they are supporting and her own startup. But but I think the kind of problems that we are seeing at Future Forge is really everything from, uh, you know, crop sensing to uh, space solutions. And so there's a very wide gamut. And I think that's the point Gitanjali was driving, that India as a country provides you that opportunity to solve even what you think is a micro problem at large scale. And and that is the global opportunity that you can go out and tap.
2: So Haripri, if i may just add I I come from medical device sector. So maybe I have very micro knowledge on, and I focus more into healthcare. So some of the wonderful solutions, at least in the health tech space, uh, we have seen a lot of um, companies venturing uh, boldly into US and Europe markets, making a ma- major impact, especially uh, AI on uh, you know, radiology, cancer. Um, for example, Cure AI is one best example who are proving to be really going global with their technology. Um, and faster detection and we have some other examples where uh, with respect to personalized medicine there are a number of them coming up where they're able to provide end-to-end solution and they're able to understand uh, based on individuals and giving personalized recommendation not just Uh, what works for everybody, right? So that's one. So if you take my company, for example, we work on uh, label-free pathogen detection. And um, right now, you know that AMR is on the race for uh, antimicrobial resistance, where it's a global problem where everybody wants to ensure judicious usage of antibiotics. So again, we operate in a space where it's completely non-invasive or label-free, where you don't need to take a sample, uh, you don't need complex infrastructures, Um, and this solution can be rapidly scaled and we have a number of partnerships in US and Europe to take the solution forward Uh, so these are some of the techs at least in the healthcare and also with respect to biologics and drug discovery uh, there are wonderful startups doing really
0: bold things in this particular space as well would you like to pitch
3: in with your insight? Sure No, thank you I think uh, we're now been looking at deep tech as a combination of engineering, hardware, sciences, and software, right? I think just to, from our perspective, to set some uh, context of our definition, definitions vary, and I think the interplay between these disciplines and a combination of these disciplines trying to solve multiple of the areas that that Sangeeta and Gitanjali have already referred to is very very exciting. I think from a timing perspective, I think uh, the talent pool across the board has just exploded, is the feeling that we get on an ongoing basis. Uh, So, you know, we're just seeing ideas in a variety of areas, right? Uh, We've been fortunate to probably see the early emergence of space technology, for example. you know, there's nothing new there given our ISRO heritage, right? But the new new part is that uh, it is going private and startups are taking a lead in solving these problems. And again, a sector globally and domestically that is just expanding, right? Basically, miniaturization of electronics, sensors, et cetera, and the cost coming down for satellites, correct? For either earth imagery or for primary communication, these two things are just driving how many companies building satellites, building payloads, uh, building subsystems, building uh, low power compute capabilities in space, right? That's just been super exciting to see over the last five, six years. Of course, If you build all of this, then you've got to take them all to space. Therefore, there is a launch vehicle ecosystem. There's a primary launch vehicle ecosystem, and then there is the secondary, which is the last mile, et cetera, right? So very exciting thing. Of course, we have companies like Agnicole in our portfolio that have done that. We have a company called Galaxy Space, which is building Earth observation satellites with different types of sensors and then doing on-the-edge compute, right? To merge the data, right? I would say five, six years ago, we would have seen single-digit companies a year at best. In this sector now, it is 30, 40, 50, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are more than 100 companies. So just one sector uh, to harp upon. But the other uh, two or three areas I want to point out is, of course, broadly climate tech, but many, many things fall under that, Uh, starting with, again, India advantage and where we have, which is EV, right? The mainstream penetration of EVs You know, in front of us, it's just exploded. Uh, Consumer vehicles, fleet vehicles, two-wheelers, three-wheelers, going on to four-wheelers. So that really has expanded whatever, you know, startups are taking a shot at, right? You need to build battery management systems. You need to build software to enable these. You need to build newer cells. You need to build better cells, Correct. So that entire ecosystem is exploding. So EV is the first pillar, I would say, in the climate gamut. But that leads to multiple other things. People are thinking about alternative fuel cells, right? Either for heavier vehicles, for uh, storage, energy storage, et cetera. So that is, again, just one thing leads to another extension of those things are very, very exciting. Last couple of areas which have been of more recent interest, but we are doubling down. I think the the Eitanjali and Sangeeta also mentioned uh, biotech, of course. Correct, in drug discovery and intersection between that and AI. Again, strength in AI should be there in our country, and can you merge that with, you know, understanding of life sciences and biotech, correct, or the healthcare slash, you know, uh, you know, solving for human diseases side. But in biotech, there's the other whole thing about alternative proteins and molecules or products, right? Can we uh, come out with lab-based stuff, right? In in lieu of things that are either animal origin or plant origin, because those are expensive to cultivate or breed, and are also one of the biggest contributors to greenhouse emissions. So, if you see, there is a consistent trend in terms of you know uh, clean energy or or clean tech, climate tech. Although the initiation in certain industries will be a different angle. Right. So biotech, very strong favor for us. We have done something in uh, fermentation and lab-based products. We are very close to doing something in uh, drug discovery uh, with AI. Uh, semiconductors is the other one. I won't take too much time, but semiconductors is the other area where the government is giving a lot of push in terms of policy, etc. Again, from a self-reliance perspective, and to take away the you know uh, dependence on China and on the geopolitical issues. It's an interesting time to solve for some of the design as well as fab side of things in siliconlico
0: that was interesting. Uh, guys, maybe we can move on and talk about the flavor of the season AI. Uh, what is it? So within the deep tech sector itself, the hype is uh, so much now. Uh, although AI has not been that's something new per se, and a lot of work was already happening there. So what has the what has changed? What are the structural structural
1: changes to the solutions that startups are building now? I get started. Uh, so I think clearly, you know, like you said, I, AI has been around for a long time. It's it's not something new. And our data shows that you know, out of the thirty two hundred startups, AI is almost a horizontal in three quarter of them, right? So AI is AI has been around, and I, I think in all the uh, stuff that Arjun talked about, uh, AI data will play a key role, right? So technologies are clearly converging. So it's no more just about one thing that that you need to focus on. Uh, but I think with the advent of generative AI. Uh, you're seeing the whole democratization of AI happening, right? Everyone's worked with ChatGPT or BARD or other such solutions. You're recognizing the productivity advantage that the enterprises can get, uh, how you can code more efficiently. You could do drug discovery faster. And you're seeing a variety of... Uh, Application startups are building both, We've, you know, and NASCOM's tracked about 100 plus generative AI startups. So there is a segment which is building on top of the existing tools and solutions. And there is a segment of startups that are building their own large language models, maybe verticalized language models or models that solve specific problems. So clearly, I think, uh, you know, there is the opportunity that we see. Uh, with generative AI coming in. And I think at the future 4G event, we were hearing deep Nishar and he said, you cannot build enterprise software today without thinking about generative AI, right? So so there is a huge shift taking place. And and I think Indian startups are gearing that both companies that are net new and of course, um, you know, uh, existing organizations embedding AI into their products and solutions.
2: Yeah, so if again, from a healthcare perspective, see AI is... uh is is nothing but an extension of a lot of previous knowledge we had around statistics and how it evolved right now um so i would say that of course um you know right now anybody from a science background can get into it if they have a domain knowledge of it so uh, from healthcare perspective it's always better um uh, that ai can be used to solve problems in terms of you know the background noise for example where we use it is um, we see background noise due to variation in skin color and a lot of other background things that works in but it's not the core of a technology behind it so it's it's always something that you know if we have to make long term impact especially in the healthcare space it's just more than that be it, let's say we develop our own uh, our own chips by building a semiconductor industry um, not just buying something off the shelf right uh, when it comes to drug discovery again it can be used as a tool to understand and fast track a discovery of a drug but still at the end of the day the molecules need to work and it's a long pathway so it's it's an it's a tool to augment your product journey or your accuracy Uh, but i feel that down the line we need to have very strong uh, background and basic science to support a lot of downstream research and ai can add on to it
3: Yeah, I think I resonate with uh, all the points made. Uh, you know, I will also repeat the fact that it is a booster of sorts, right, to all the capabilities that humans have and existing systems and you know uh, uh, workflows possibly have. Uh, and one has to use that booster effectively, right, to go after bigger problems or to get there faster so that you can do more things, right? And that is, of course, industry-specific, problem-specific, etc. But the booster is unlike, the exciting thing is the booster is unlike any booster we've seen in the past, right? At least it seems that way right now. Maybe we're at the early you know, side of the hype cycle, but I hope it can be. Like, booster is it's 10x, it can be 20x, it can be possible 100x, right? And from a Timing perspective that really helps because, again, like Sangeeta mentioned, the when the data explosion is happening, then you know we couldn't have thrown enough people at the problem, in terms of understanding all the data or making sense of all the data, right? And that is what this now suddenly enables. Be it for drug discovery, you have to, you know, look at just so much, you know, content out there, reports out there, research out there. Uh, and data out there and then, you know, help aid in the drug discovery process. Now that could run in the billions of, you know, data points, right? Billions and maybe even more. So now how can you use, how can you do build a workflow that enables you to make sense of that, query that, right? Draw insights from that and make very smart decisions, which otherwise would have taken six months, years or four years and now maybe you can really crunch that time right so that is super exciting obviously there is a little bit of a threat to say there could be certain types of workflows and uh, skill sets which might very quickly become obsolete right or very very no value because the ai really squeezes into what was being done offline or what was being done semi-manually, et cetera. So we have to be cognizant of that in specific use cases. Obviously, content creation is is one such example, be it images, be it videos, be it text, right? And some computation combination, right? Content synthesization, right? So we've built a fair bit of successful businesses in the medium to long term last twenty years or so uh, from our country because we had the power of talent available and in, in large quantities to do this, right? They were not zero skilled, right? But they were, you know, they were still on the, you know, mid to lower end of the spectrum of the skill set. And that suddenly, you know, uh, has, you know, it's sort of obviated. AI can do, right? What probably 20 people can do.
0: That's interesting. Uh, we, we speak about India building for global a lot. How much is this just us being sanguine about our country and how much is this in reality? Do we have enough examples to say that, yes, we are actually building uh, for the globe? globe? Also, uh, if I can take the thought more forward, how do we fare in comparison to other regions? Say someone like Israel, that whose deep tech ecosystem is far more evolved than ours. So also, what are the lessons from the globe that we can take? You actually
1: want to start
2: yeah sure. um, so regarding this, to start with, see we've always been great in software, and we've been software providers, we need information technology and all of that. uh, but recently, we have started also exploring majorly into uh, where we also provide solution when it comes to healthcare. Um, so I can number uh, uh, name a number of these startups who have gotten into global platforms where they're really solving problems, um, be it breast cancer, be it uh, anything to do with uh, uh, teleradiology, be it anything to do with uh, uh, drug discovery, a number of these things. Um, so there are challenges when an Indian startup have to build such a kind of uh global presence it's not very easy because um i mean we do have a great ecosystem but it's still just a beginning to build Uh, so if i have to apply for an fda approval or any of these regulatory clearances which are required to take my solution and my technology to be tested to the population elsewhere it's a very very cumbersome process um, it's not as straightforward as a company which has presence in Canada or even, you know, a startup-based out of U.S. has. Uh, so that is something that we have to work on, but it's still, uh, we see a lot of success stories around this which gives us the assurance that we can do it. So name it, even during COVID, you know, we were, uh, we were successfully able to have developed, like MyLabs, for example, they were able to come up with home test kits when no one else could do it, right? So we always had solutions and technologies that can work, but at the speed at it, which goes, requires a lot of money, a lot of grant funding because uh, uh, a solution, especially in healthcare, can you will only know if it's going to be successful uh, after six to seven years, because you have to do a lot of tests involved and only you can finally take it to the patient. So we need to have enough uh, risk capital that can really help support these innovations, then we can also be in this global level. Um, I'm sure uh, yes. Arjun will have better insights into this, being an investor himself.
3: Yeah. Uh, I know that has come into my quote, <laughs> and that's a fair uh, ask as well, right? No, but absolutely well articulated. Uh, you know, uh, one we must remember that we are at uh, at the start of a cycle, correct? As a country in deep tech, so uh, you know we have to learn to you know crawl, walk before we can run. Uh, So that's natural progression. Maybe we'll do it faster than what we did in IT services or what we did in uh, SaaS products, et cetera, right, because of past learnings. But it will still need us to, you know, acknowledge that we're early, number one. Uh, Second, like Ketanjali rightly mentioned, I don't think there is any dirt in quality and how we are building products. Yes, we can probably continue to keep an eye on the West, Israel, and the... Cutting-edge ecosystems and keep learning what it means to build global world-class products. Correct, and that learning is 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 never-ending. And that is rightly so. So we should make sure that we are we are building world-class products, even though we might start with Indian markets because that is more accessible to us. That is something that we uh, we know very well, and therefore we can go But building world world-class products has to be at the heart of it. Then, of course, come the other challenges. One. Capital, right? And um, onus is on uh, us, early stage investors, mid stage, growth stage investors, right? To be open to taking such risks, right? And I think we will see this also change as, you know, small, medium, and then large results start coming out, right? We always, you know, investors. While we like to say that we are at the cutting edge bleeding end, we wait for validation also. Correct. We are guilty of that. We while it is risk capital, we are still trying to de-risk some aspects, mm-hmm. if if in all honesty, right? So when success stories come, correct, you will see disproportionate capital flow. Correct. So I think the next three to five years, therefore, are very exciting because the first few success stories will break up. When the first unicorn comes, you will see how much capital will flow till then there's a little bit of wait and watch right i'd like to believe we are not waiting and watching and we don't have that luxury as a super early stage but possibly the larger pools of capital might be doing that and it is it is the nature of what it is if i just go back to draw analogies with just even just our consumer ecosystem which we all know very well and has attracted so many dollars until flipkart became a billion dollar company and what what was before and after you will see such a big difference on capital that flowed, right? So I'm very hopeful that we are on the cusp of something, right? Uh, You know, founders like Gitanjali and many others, right? As they build great companies and as they show that success can be had, right? Of course, more entrepreneurs will be, you know, excited and will be motivated. But more importantly, the money will follow, right? The third thing that I believe is very critical, which we have a long way to go and a lot of learning to do, is we have to learn beyond the tech and the product and the science building as an ecosystem to put ourselves out there in terms of marketing, branding, positioning to the rest of the world that we are here, that we are building world class products, and we can deliver and compete with anybody and everybody out there in the world. Right. And it's a collective effort. The onus doesn't fall on any one individual or anyone piece of the ecosystem, because maybe that is the part that America does best. That is the part that Israel does amazingly by partnership with America, right? Yes, we have to be cautious on treading and not promising things that we can't do, but sometimes it's okay to promise things that we can do even before we have done it. And so the promise, the vision and the narrative setting Right, I think everybody—founders, investors, ecosystem people—we have to be louder.
0: We see the interest growing as well. We see more mainstream investors putting their money in deep tech, being more cognizant of that space. Maybe uh, you guys can, Gitanjali, you can talk about uh, how your investors were on board and how the support, uh, how support in the ecosystem is growing.
2: Sure. So. Um, so when my first seed and series A investor, Mentera Venture Funds and ATA, in, when they invested in us, I had just a minimum viable product but and I had a grand vision. And it was just not into healthcare. It was into water, agriculture, food, and never did I think I would explore all this. But I had a really grand vision with the product and the technology that we were building. And they were willing to take the bet, right? So... Um, and that really helped us in a way that uh, even during COVID, we were able to sustain, do a lot of these regulatory process, which would make, uh, make us really credible on the global side. Because it's not just building technology, but also securing patents, I building those IP, which is very, very important if you have to have a, um, a, a global way of looking at your technology. And... Uh, Um, So that really helped us and then when the right time came when the technology was slightly mature where we were able to show use case in one sector right in one particular healthcare technology opportunity came in even in the non-medical applications uh so right now we have a couple of joint ventures digital health one into far a non-medical application specifically pharma uh and now we have interests even from companies across uh strategic investors coming in um so that's exactly what I'm telling. So frugality is in our DNA. We know what to do even with the minimum amount of funds we get. And and building that credibility is very important for downstream investors to really bet on you and take you to the next 10x level.
0: That did give us a good idea. Arjun, maybe you can give us uh, what are the tips for the founders that you could maybe give?
3: <laughs> no, we're trying. I think... Uh... Uh, there are two parts, right? One, new domain investors just starting to wet their feet, so investors are also learning in terms of how to evaluate deep tech startups, right? It is technically more complex. Investors need not be technically sound, right? They will have a different lens to it, and they will have different time. So we have to, so that is step one, right? It's much easier to come up with a model and a plan to say what is an e-commerce business or a tech business or a SaaS business, what are the economics and what is the growth potential, et cetera. Right? So there's that challenge. So founders need to focus on simplifying the complexity of what they're building. So you know that bonus at the end of the day lies on the founder. So please figure out a way of telling the story that's you know, simplified, makes it easy to understand the technology, the value, and then the end impact. Correct. That is one piece that can really help fast track the decision-making and the evaluation process for a deep tech investors. The second thing, which is a very investor-specific thing, but has to translate on the founder side and maybe can happen with for conversations and with more slightly senior founders talking to, is investors think in terms of risk, right? And that language, Probably has to be learned and understood by the founders. Right? You're building something because you're passionate because you have depth, et cetera. But can you translate that into, hey, at like Kitanjali said, at MVP stage, this is the technical risk, this is the product risk, this is the customer risk. Correct? Break it down and then say with each round of capital, with this money, I will reduce certain risk by certain quantity. And investors are in the business and want to invest to reduce risk. If at every stage at ongoing way, you can help reduce risk, right? By taking the MVP to a more evolved product, right? You reduce technical risk. But even in that, there could be multiple sub-stages. Path to FDA, for example, in the, you know, uh, in the medical device or medical ecosystem, right? So, okay, it is a long path, but, Can you break down that three-year cycle to get FT? right? What is each six months, what is enabling you to reduce risk, right? So that is number two. Number three, customer side, right? Yes, it might take longer for you to build and then get regulatory approval and then go to customer, but are you still talking to customer early on, right? There is no excuse to not talk to customers, even though your product will be ready two years later or three years later. So proxy is customer conversations, customer early feedback, maybe some sort of design partners who agree to work with you as you build your product, who agree to be your early test pilot customers, right? Even though they have not given you money, they are all valuable, right? Letters of intent. Right? These are all proxies before revenue. And, you know, right? And all of this is in different ways mitigating risk. So in some sense, this lens of as an entrepreneur, how can I reduce risk? And what will I do to do that? What priorities will I focus on with the amount of capital that I'm getting? Correct? I think these two things, if uh, the whole ecosystem and more entrepreneurs are able to do, it helps us investors. It, you know, it bridge the gap between where you're coming from and where we are coming from.
0: That's great. Uh, while we are on the topic of ecosystem effort, uh, Sangeeta Ma'am, would you go on and give us some insights on the deep tech startup policy that we have coming up. How is that helping? And are there any implementation concerns? What are the friction points that are there? And what would be the suggestions? So I think
1: first the good part think as a government is recognize the importance of deep tech and and published a draft policy. Two, they're making it very consultative. There have been two rounds of consultation happen, a lot of feedback on just what should be the definition, some of the most tickier issues around defense, uh, you know, and some of because deep tech is a large space. So how do you make sure that the policy, which is a horizontal policy, does not impede uh, development of many of the subsectors that, that are strategic and have other issues uh, around that. So I think that's the good part of it. Uh, i think the focus for nascom going forward is to really say how do you move from a policy to implementation because not it's a it's a horizontal policy it will involve a lot of different ministries state governments organizations like drdos and others right so you need everybody to start relating to what is written in the policy and to try and make this happen uh, I think if there are friction points that come up, there is openness to change. So, so I, I don't think that is the concern for us right now. Our, our focus and priority is to say, how do you move this to from a policy to an implementation roadmap? And you know, after a year one or year two, you can start seeing outcomes from this. So if there is funding or grants that, that are being talked about, how do we get those going? So the government has a number of funds but can those funds be leveraged more for deep tech as opposed to being broad fund of funds, right? So, there are good points that we are working on with the government and we are hoping that, uh, you know, many of these can start moving to the next stage of what does it take to get this policy in practice.
0: That's great. That's lovely to hear. Gitanjali, Arjun, would you guys have anything to add on the deep tech policy? Sure. So I'm sure a
2: couple of them NASCOM is already working on, but uh, just a few points like, see, let's, if we have to build. Uh, let's say if you have to raise a series way round, and then we have an exit pathway for the investors, global investors, there's always this double taxation and number of that still needs to be resolved on the policy side because uh, we cannot keep setting up offices in US to tackle a lot or in Singapore, right, to tackle some of these issues. Second, with respect to importing, right, again, custom clearance is a big issue. All these deep tech companies require material which are not manufactured in India. So again, these are some things that we need to work on third thing with respect to also on a policy level right how much of the technology we develop is able to percolate to the last mile setting right um, it it involves where we have to bid tenders of course a lot of things are coming up on the tender side of it where they're making it easy for startups but still we need to um, uh, but it's still you know there's slightly a long way to go where our technology can actually reach and it's also being used it cannot be just you you just sell it, and then nothing happens, and nobody uses it, right? So all this requires that policy level adoption, where you tell, you know, you use these metrics to quantify whether the healthcare that is being provided is turning into this kind of, uh, you know, faster diagnostics, be early detection, disease detection, be early treatment. So that kind of metrics has to still flow for the whole uh, ecosystem and the technology to work in India. So. These are three major points I think we we really want to change.
3: A lot of consultation with various stakeholders has happened and is happening for the policy, which is a positive sign, taking everybody's input and seems like, therefore, the government is definitely serious about it, which is the right attitude to begin with, right? And then I think, as Sangeeta said, the most important thing is execution at the end of the day and implementation, and if we can start seeing the benefits for Anjali and other entrepreneurs, right, if they feel better about this in two years, that would be a metric of success in my opinion.
0: That's great. Guys, these were the questions we had for you today. So thank you for all your valuable insight and we hope you had a good time on this episode. Thank you so much. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Adju. Yeah. Thank you. Great insight. Love Thanks, guys, Thank you. you